everyone. Welcome to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and um, we're going to do the drum roll. I don't have I don't have one of those synthesizer things. The computer will artificially kind of create a drum roll, so I still have to hit the tabletop to get that. Carolyn Barnett. <laughs> yeah, you would give yourself a woo wouldn't you? Uh, but we would too. We'd give you woo-hoo. Uh, Carolyn. After the drum roll, I felt like I had to do something. You did. It was pretty spectacular, was it not? <laughs> yes. Or at least maybe, maybe it was the opposite. Maybe it wasn't so spectacular. You had to beef it up, beef it up again, right? Or beef I'll it up a bit, a bit more. Carolyn, you have a reputation. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, reputations don't always have to be bad. I, I'm just curious as where you're going with this. Well, I'm hoping that we're starting to get a reputation. Now, if I put ill in front of it, ill that repute. That would be bad, yes. Yes, that would be bad. But our reputation is that we're not so bad. That's what I've heard. That's what, I've heard we're pretty that's good. What, that's what I've heard here too. And people are calling me that I have not heard from in a long time. So really? I don't know whether to take that as a good thing or bad thing. Wow. But I am still out there. You can claim that too if you'd like to, although you might want to keep a lower profile because we really don't know how this thing is going to turn in the end. <laughs> but I am still out there, so to speak, and we're getting a little bit of notice. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a little bit out there, David. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but the notice part, though, is good. That is good. It that's is awesome. good because it means somebody <laughs> is listening. <laughs> Right? That's our goal. That's our goal. That's yeah. the intention. Uh, also, did you also know that there's a reputation that you are not a complainer? Huh. I am pleasantly surprised. <laughs> now, it was oddly enough, it was your husband, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know, because I wasn't sure, and so I had to like find a good source, and so I ended up calling him, and he oh said, "Carolyn never complains about anything." I I don't know. She's the best. She's the best wife in the world. She's the best mom in the world. I don't. Was are you sure you got the right Tim Barnett? Yeah, you did. <laughs> And, and, and if he were here right now... Was he, he sober? I don't know. I'm just kidding. But just he, kidding, listeners. But if he were here right now, he would certainly amen that as well. But complaining is not good. I discovered that again as I was in reading the Bible in the book of Numbers. And the children of Israel... Oh, boy. Poor... Yeah. yeah complained a lot. So their reputation, as far as God was concerned, was beginning to be tarnished. Mm. Uh, it says right there, God does not like a complainer. Before we, before you go any further, let's not be too quick to judge them. <laughs> it's real easy to look at the Israelites and be like, look at them. They complained all the time. Well, and that's uh, we need to Let's take a little look at us for a second before we uh, start judging them. And that was my point, right? Uh, you're right on it. Is that I have to watch myself. Mm. Because if I'm not careful, I will spend my entire time. I don't know that it's always complaining, because it doesn't always come out of my mouth. <laughs> and then, then there gets this point where, and I was teasing with Tim. Uh, but there gets this point where people don't want to hear you anymore. 
because they see you coming and they know, right? Oh my, oh, he's just gonna complain. Sometimes I feel like, <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes I feel like that, that that sort of is at times what you hear from me. Uh, I have to apologize in a public sort of way because I do not want to be recognized as a complainer. And, and really, I'm not sure it always is said, but I can guarantee you, my first thoughts are not positive thoughts. Mm. When I'm facing something, when I'm upset by something, of course, maybe that's the whole point, is by the time I'm upset, it's already turned to be not mm -hmm. so positive. Mm -hmm. My thoughts become very negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that. <laughs> you know, again, mm -hmm. you know, I'm pretty pensive. I thought about that. I thought, well, maybe that really is what God was trying to tell them. It's not what you face. It's what you believe when you face it. Exactly. Yes. Because the negativity... Yes. It's a curse in and of itself, and maybe that's why God didn't like it, right? You know, you said, well, they, you, they, you may not say it, and <laughs> it came to my mind, and boy, does it fit. I love her, but it fits. My daughter has this shirt, and it says, if my mouth doesn't say it, my face will. <laughs> and so sometimes people can uh, see it coming, but... Yes, you're right. We have to think about those things. We have to think about that. Well, I get myself... Search me. Know me. I do. I get myself in a hole. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, again, um, I say you know it again because I think we've spoken of this before. And you do probably know it with your training and background and your experience counseling. But counseling is not rocket science. Yeah. But what seems so... I don't know, incredible when people come into counseling is they can't see themselves for who they are. It's sort of like that mirror you look into every morning. <clears throat> every morning you look into that mirror and until you get a photograph out of yourself or a picture, I guess it's not a photograph anymore, you go on the cell phone, right? <laughs> and you look 10 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you look in the mirror and you say, what in the world happened to me? Because every morning we get up and look in the mirror, but it's so gradual and it's so progressive. Mm -hmm. But negativity, you'll do that. And again, counseling is not rocket science, but we're in a really, really good position. Objective, mm -hmm. to read a person, hear the person. Mm -hmm. This doesn't take much reading, right? I mean, I'm not like going to phrenology. Remember what phrenology was? Phrenology? I think it is. It's feeling the bumps on a person's head. It was it was one of those throwbacks. I vaguely remember that. Yes, to the like the turn of the nineteen. I'm thinking micro. 18, 1900 turn of the century stuff. Yeah. But but people used people to read those things. Yeah, they used to think. But they used to think psychology <clears throat> that was a hypothesis. Right. Is based on the bumps in your head. Now I could understand if it was like a major deformity, right? Or if somebody had some sort of injury, mm -hmm. you know, you could probably say, well, this part, but that really wasn't what it was about. Right. But the idea though is is that we don't read people in that way, but we could just listen mm -hmm. and watch them. Mm -hmm. And then try to reflect back them in that mirror sort of way right. what they're really looking like. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, we're going to actually be a clear glass, not a glass darkly. You know, the picture right. is not going to be so distorted. But if you're not careful, 
that negativity will build and it can be years and years and mm -hmm. years mm -hmm. that you can find yourself digging a hole that's deeper and deeper and deeper. Now, I don't know if it goes to China or hell, <laughs> but, and I'm not making any associations. All I'm saying is, though, that if you get too far into the hole, it, it's hard to get out. We have, to, we have to give you a ladder to come out of. It's a dark place, and I know people like that. And to me, it's very sad because the negativity has sort of overtaken that person and they don't even realize how deep they've dug. They don't they don't even know it and they're they're just so deep in that negativity and it makes my heart hurt for them because one, I want to throw them a rope and a ladder and two, I hope that they would take it because sometimes whew, sometimes we get used to that pit, you know, the Joseph, he's in the pit. Sometimes it's, we start setting up shop and then, you know, we're hanging pictures and we're enjoying living down there and they don't even know it. That's the sad part to me. So you know it's okay with God to kill babies. That's a rough statement. Yeah, but I felt it. Okay. I'm serious. We can yeah. be cordial, we can be friendly, we can be funny, maybe. I don't know mm -hmm. if people think we're funny. But there's nothing good about killing babies. Right. Nothing. Right. Nothing in the Word of God suggests that it's right to kill a baby. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that the, that is a position. I know that that is a, an opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, it is based on the Word of God. Uh, but I'm not afraid to say that. Now, I may regret it later because now all of a sudden my reputation changes. Because somebody out there is going to hear it mm -hmm. and then they're going to start protesting. I'm sorry, W-E-M-M. <laughs> <laughs> because they may show up to your doorstep. Just don't send the byway if you don't care. Or if you're going to send the byway, W-E-M-M, give us a call ahead in <laughs> advance. <laughs> yeah, so I know they're coming. But it's true. It's true. It's just the same way as complaining. How far back does this all go? And, and what have people been fed? And how deep is the hole that we've gotten into to the place that where we think at least 50%, I don't know what the actual statistics are, but if you did that in a political sort of way, you usually hit about 50% of the population in the United States of America believes that abortion is quite okay. Now, I know we can get into the weeds a bit on, well, if it's this or if it's that, or if it's a rape situation, or if it's a compromise to the mother's health. There are always those extenuating circumstances, and I am not going to throw this out globally. But I am going to say this, I don't care what the circumstance is, you should try to save the life, particularly of any baby, but an unborn baby. Exactly. Yes. I 100% agree. And I've had to have that conversation with very close people to me that kind of went there and, and was and clouded it up and like you said in the weeds and and you know in this situation that situation and I said I don't really care what the situation is it doesn't matter it's wrong and, and that was kind of hard you know for me to confront that person like that but I needed to say that because that's my conviction and belief not just my opinion we discussed that Wednesday night at our church you know there's um, convictions and then there's opinions and you know they can get intertwined but 
And you know, I've heard the argument, and, and, and I'm going to say this, but I don't know that I'm going to stop here just now mm-hmm. for you to comment on it, but I'm going to plant the seed to at some point later on in our conversation or introduction. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you can get back to it, or I'll get us back to it. But I, I know that I'm a man. That's something else I say without much hesitancy and with great conviction. There's two sexes, there are men and women. Man, I'm going to unload the whole day. I could tell. This is going to this podcast is going to be one of those come to Jesus sort of things for me. Okay, good. But people need to That's know good. that, though, right? I mean, people really do need to know what we're about at Covenant. Yes, absolutely. And I would not want anybody to come in misrepresented. Will I hate on people? No, I'm not going to hate on people. But I'm not going to change those opinions. Mm-hmm. Those are Bible-based. They're not even opinions. I think they're God's rules, His laws. Mm -hmm. But at some point, as a woman, I'd just like for you to confirm for me, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people are going to discount me because I'm a man. Right. They're also going to discount my opinion because it's not my body. It's their body. Well, may I say this? It's not their body. It's God's body. God gave them the body. He gave them life. They have no right to take life. None. Thou shalt not kill. Period. There is no exemption. Nothing that would ever take that away in, a, in an absolute sort of terms. Now again, are there extenuating circumstances? Yes. But your first thoughts... Only out of some self-defense, only out of some protective mode. Maybe there's some situation, and I don't want to run an exhaustive list of conditions. I mean, I get to be like Moses in the wilderness. He had a law for everything, because that's how they thought. (laughs) But I think in a common sense sort of way, we just need to apply that. There is no good basis for killing. I have no... what, What... purpose could I have to kill somebody or for killing somebody except that they would threaten to kill me or or somebody I felt like I was in a position I had to protect. Therein lies the problem. I completely agree with what you just said. However, and you may find me a little bit frustrating today because I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit in that, you know, I'm going to counter what you're saying, is Therein lies the problem. They, a person that is um, for abortion, this is the argument. We're not killing a person. I'm doing quote air quotes, listeners. We're not killing a person. So that you know that somehow that justifies it or makes it different. So you know when you ask the question, what gives you the right to kill someone or kill a baby? And then, and then all of a sudden, it's not a baby. And then it's it's um, a tissue, or it's a you know a fetal you know mass, or whatever they call that. So they've made up all these different names to justify it. And that's where the problem begins, sifting through the weeds, as you said, because then you're trying to unpack something else. And I want to get to that at some point in our in our discussion about that because I learned something last year, year before last, about that and was kind of faced with a decision. So it was very interesting because there's situations, and you said there's an exhaustive list, but sometimes it comes down to a 
Christian, a follower of God that is in the middle of those type of situations. And it can be challenging to navigate, I'll put it that way. And I had to, you know, I had to well, ask some questions. I, I can rationalize anything. Mm-hmm. I can. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. Maybe I've got too much sneaky in me. Don't you think we all can? Well, because we're liars. We're liars, cheats, and thieves. The human nature is broken and fallen, and there is nothing redeemable about it except through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then, only because of the blood of Jesus Christ, are we covered. Right. Through forgiveness, Mm -hmm. through confession of our sins. That's why I said earlier when I was apologizing to you about Mm -hmm. the complaining. We need to be able to do that. Right. Otherwise, if I can't look in that mirror and see myself for who I am, then it's all rationalization. Or you can come up with some other defense mechanism, Mm -hmm. which is really lies. I mean, from a psychological kind of counseling standpoint, and we're not about the humanistic here. That, that's not what I want to make covenants about. Covenants right. is about pastoral care. But we've been trained in that. Mm-hmm. So I know more maybe so about the human nature than the average person because my doctorate is in counseling psychology and I had to study that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've done this for a lot of years. But we're all liars, cheats, and thieves, except for the blood of Jesus Christ, which covers our sin in forgiveness. Everybody's that way. And though I don't want to be a complainer, I have to admit it, I don't want to be a liar. I have to admit it. Why am I saying I'm a liar? I can't think of anybody that I've specifically lied to, and I try never to. But I know my human nature, and even in my ignorance... And that was really God got upset with them in the in the wilderness, the children of Israel again, because they were hungry. They were not satisfied with the manna. Mm-hmm. They wanted the meat. Mm-hmm. And he sent a boatload of quail. I don't know if this was literally a boatload, <laughs> but it surrounded the camp. And that wasn't even enough. And you know, his anger wasn't really kindled until they decided to eat it. And, you know, lies are lies. We all think that way. Like I said, I have a lot of negative thoughts. But I don't have to act on them. I could confess them. I could say they're all negative thoughts. What is Jesus? You said you've been prayerful. I'm so proud of you, Carolyn. If only our listeners (laughs) listeners knew what was ahead of us, not only today, over the next week. But you reminded me and I have been too. Just what I've been trying to do, though, is not see it through my flesh, mm-hmm. but see it through the Word of God, which is part of my purification, sanctification. The process. Not of myself, but of Christ in me, of the work of the Holy Spirit. But personality, in a human sense, is not something to be celebrated. It really is the source of all evil. And I think death and killing is the top of God's list. I believe that. Mm -hmm. Cain slew Abel. Adam and Eve got convinced by the father of lies that they were going to die. And then death started. Well, yeah, because you get preoccupied with it. You get fixated upon it. Mm -hmm. 
But, you know, the good Lord giveth, the good Lord taketh away. And so if God should choose or determine that it's our time, it's our time. I'm not fighting against God on that point. But it does come out with much prayer and fasting. I have to continually be sanctified by the Word of God as mm -hmm. is written and the living Word of God that's in me, lest I fall into the rut, the ditch, the pit. Mm -hmm. But Absolutely. it's it, when you say stuff like that, as devil's advocate. Because mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. I'm not attacking you, Carol. I'm just attacking the devil's advocate. Yeah, don't attack me. <laughs> but when you when people go there, though, mm -hmm. I say you don't even know the word. You don't even know the word of God. Well, they get defensive and they want to make an argument. Well, I'm not going to argue necessarily with folks, but at the same time, though, I'm not going to tell or a, them. Or a counterpoint. I'm not going to tell them they're right. I think you're right. I think when they come looking for our office, because they somebody out there hears this, when they come looking for our office, you will look at me and say, you know, they're just not wanting to make counterpoints. I'm say, David, they're wanting to destroy you. They're wanting to shut you up because you're pointing out something they don't want to hear. They're gnashing with their teeth. And it's the same reason they pulled Christ mm -hmm. and put him in to... Give us Barnabas. Yes. yes. And I, I, the human, the love for others in me wants to delve into them and ponder where did this come from? Of course, we know the original sin. We know that it all kind of backtracks back to that moment in the garden. But at some moment, and I, I explained this. I mentioned earlier the person that I, that I know is very negative. And I was explaining this to someone else, not in a, in a talking about them type of way, but, you know, why somebody can be so negative and I said at some point the such and such and this and this and this happened and I don't know that they ever recovered from that. Well I'm forgiving I mean I understand people need to be redeemed and I understand people need to be helped that's the business that we're in but they have to understand that they're not going to get me at least off of the foundational points right and ex unless they would accept that whatever they're thinking mm -hmm. is connected with whatever misery they're going through mm -hmm. in that way of perpetuating it, in that way of... Justifying it. Make, well, that's the whole point, though. Yeah, right. It makes it worse. Right. Exactly. Go to God. I believe that. that to be true. I believe that to be ultimately true. The Word of God redeems that's what and comforts... Yes. And if it's not the written word, then so much it's the living word as with, again, the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But there's no excuse. There is none. Even in our ignorance, we have to admit sometimes the way they're going to get out of the wilderness was not of their own making. The way they got out of Egypt was not of their own making. The way they came through that circumstance and situation, mm -hmm. everything was pointing to God. And here they were. God, you're not doing your job. <laughs> God, you're really not taking care of us. God, yeah. you know, where are you? Well, he was right there with them. Right. Would you say that goes back to powerlessness? Step one, realizing you can't do it on your own? Yeah. Well, I don't. Yes. Yes. I <laughs> You may not want to admit that. Sorry, I wasn't no, to set I you up. I, I don't just... mind the powerlessness, though. I save those conversations for 12-step conversations <laughs> because they're confusing. Because right. 12 steps, they 
say that, but they're humanistic. They're not. They they lack the power of Christ. They might admit that they're powerless, but they still. That's the whole point. Again, they still try to backdoor it. They try to come in through the back door rather than mm-hmm. the front door. Is what I mean mm-hmm. by that. They try to then steal the power from God. Mm-hmm. It's a constant struggle to defy and be rebellious and disobedient. Right. I've just learned. That's our human nature. <laughs> I'm screwed up. I am messed up in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And unless I read the Word of God, even then, I'm not sure that covers me. I know it doesn't. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ to cover me. Now, if somebody commits murder, I believe they can be forgiven. I know some people don't believe that, but they have to repent. I do believe there's murder that is with evil intent and blaspheming of the Holy Spirit, which means those folks are lost anyhow. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're not going to be redeemed. But for people who accidentally do things, and there's a lot of people who have found themselves in circumstances, such as abortion, Mm -hmm. which we haven't used that word, but we should, that otherwise did that in ignorance. God forgives. Absolutely. But we just have to know. There's actually something called post-abortion syndrome. Mm. Where... People go through the regret, but you can't wash it away by trying to cover it up or rationalizing it. Right. You only cleanse that through the blood again of Jesus Christ. And what does that require? It requires me to confess my sins and say, it is not about me. It is about God. It's about Jesus Christ, about the Holy Spirit. And as far as I'm concerned, it's about life. It is not about death. No way should we be preoccupied, justified in any sort of attempt to kill, except it would be out of self-defense. And then I'm a little shaky at times. I know not for me, maybe, maybe for somebody else, whatever side you might take on that. But I'm not even sure, though, in the end, that God still doesn't have his victory. I prefer God. The good Lord giveth, the good Lord taketh away. I'm going to take a break real quick and remind our listeners, you keep your thought, that they're listening to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett. And we are, I always forget to say this, co-sponsored by the Word House Incorporated and Covenants Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. Go ahead, Carolyn. So we're not taking a break. Okay. <laughs> That was the break. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Thank you. Okay. Well, we need to throw that information out there. So I mentioned a minute ago that, you know, that there are those things we have to sift through, but there are definite guidelines he has given us. And we can't ignore that. Like you said, we can't pretend like they don't exist. However, we have to sift through it. I, I think of that we are in this world, but we're not of it. So we're still in it. We still have to navigate these waters and being so definitive and in our beliefs and uh, straightforward. I, I had someone kind of confront me. I'm going to be brutally honest right now, listeners, so don't, don't send me hate mail. Do people still do that? They send you hate mail. Maybe an email, okay. Yes. Yeah. Or they put it on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> That's even better. Uh, she confronted me and said, you're lying. You're a liar. And I'll be honest, that kind of stung a little bit. But hearing you say all the things that you said, 
about our nature. And it is, it is true, but the blood of Jesus does cover me. But we have to take that honest look in the mirror. And sometimes it takes that brutally honest. Sometimes, you know, we need that Nathan, you know, that comes to David. us. David. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, thou art the man. And, and kind of confront us in that. Not that I was lying to anybody. I wasn't. I'd do my best to not lie to anyone. But in those circumstances where we try to justify and make it sound better and protect somebody's feelings, then we, we can find ourselves in a mess. And so I think it's important that we absolutely take that hard look in the mirror and know that there's no excuses, but thank God for the blood of Jesus that covers that. And I, I agree with you totally that the presentation needs to be a full and complete one. So the Old Testament is doing what I'm doing. The New Testament is doing what you're doing. I don't want to kill people. I don't want to condemn people. My job does not, I'm not personality-wise, I don't think fitted for that. I have much too much empathy. And and I don't say that in a braggart sort of way, but it really upsets me when I I see somebody really hurting. Mm -hmm. I don't like prideful people, though. I have to confess that, and so that tends to stoke me a bit when they're in denial or narcissistic or they're self-absorbed or whatever it is. Do I need to go look in the mirror now? No. But, but what we do want to make sure our, our listeners understand, I'm not going to beat them up. You're not going to forgive them to such an extent you're going to say it doesn't matter. But what we are going to do is in proper balance and way present the entire gospel of Jesus Christ. And I say Jesus Christ because he was there from the beginning. Absolutely. But in when we were children, when we were ignorant, when we did not know, when we did not understand, aren't we thankful that we had a father, a parent, as within the Old Testament, that told us we did wrong. I need to know I'm doing wrong. Right. And with that, aren't we glad, though, that just like the prodigal, our father accepts us back. Mm-hmm. He's not going to chase us down necessarily in a manner of going out there and sanctioning our craziness. He's not going to befriend us in that way. He does chase us down in Jesus. But the, the Holy Spirit conviction. But at the same time, the notion of it is, though, we need to come back to him and say mm-hmm. we're wrong. Mm-hmm. Come to our senses. Yes. Come to ourselves. And of course, I love people. Again, it's questionable. I think my re- <laughs> I think I think my reputation is solid enough. I can say that it's questionable at times when you hear nah. things like what I'm saying, right? But I don't. I don't hate people. Right. But I do believe people who are prideful, pride of life, mm-hmm. in a bad sort of way, narcissistic, self-absorbed, take that power we've been talking about, or you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Pretend like, oh, well, it's God's. But it really isn't. All 12 steps is, is you working a program, unless it includes Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. which then right. only in Christ do we have the power to overcome. Right. But forgiveness, it's not mine to forgive. It's God's. Mm-hmm. But I am a vessel of that forgiveness. But I'm not going to keep, again, beating somebody up. But they need to know. And I feel like, kind of like the preacher, you know, on a Sunday morning, maybe more the evangelist. Somebody needs to say it. Mm-hmm. 
Now, you may not want me as your pastor once I've said it, right? Because <laughs> those two worlds do not seem to fit. But somebody needs to say it like the evangelist would say it. Mm-hmm. Because we need stirred. And the people want that. Do you remember how the, the revivals would happen and, and the traveling evangelists would come in and the people were kind of... Like there was this spirit, like they were hungry for that. They knew he was going to say something that they needed to hear, and they kind of wanted that. I remember that feeling. I remember that spirit of like, you know, God's going to tell us something that we need to hear. And why don't we feel that every Sunday? I'm curious. <laughs> well, I think it's hard. It I think it's hard. very difficult. It is hard for to be a pastor. I often oh, thought yes. that I might have been called to that. Mm-hmm. specific ministry. Mm-hmm. I guess with the pastoral care, this is probably the closest I'm going to come to it. But I think that in, as within a church situation, pastoring a church, a shepherd in that sort of way mm-hmm. with a flock. Mm-hmm. But this notion though that you have to be like Moses. And I think that was the problem. M- Moses had to figure out which side he was going to be on. Mm-hmm. And the people didn't like it. And they complained not only against God, they complained against Him. Mm -hmm. Now the one thing I have learned is I do not want to be the angry either evangelist or preacher. (laughs) Although there is such a thing I believe as righteous indignation. I believe that Moses pointed that out on the mountaintop when he spoke to God. And I think Moses operated to some extent in righteous indignation. Mm -hmm. And maybe to that extent because they had yet to confess their sins and really understand what that was all about, maybe Moses could not have been Christ. But there does come, thankfully, thanks to God, Holy Spirit, a time and a place in all of our lives where we finally come to Jesus. Right. And we finally say, I am mess up. This is who I am. And yes, mm-hmm. not that I celebrate messing mm-hmm. up, but I celebrate mm-hmm. the forgiveness that you give me. Mm-hmm. I celebrate that the arms are always wide open and accepting of me. Mm-hmm. I celebrate the fact that God's love for me never ends, is unfailing. Mm-hmm. I accept in only the most humble of terms that Jesus, you died for me on a cross mm-hmm. so that I didn't have to kill anybody, so that I don't have to persecute them, so that I don't have to put them down. That's a form of killing people. I don't have to complain about life. <laughs> Be negative. I don't have to try to sweep all my mistakes underneath the rug or hide them from people. I, you know, I don't know that I necessarily want to run them up a flagpole, as they used to say, or that that. But I thank you, Jesus, that you give me the cloak of righteousness that you give me, not of myself, but of you, because you did that for all of us. Right. What right do I have to take a life? What right do I have to judge whose life is going to be taken? Mm-hmm. I don't have any of those rights. That's not what God conferred right. to me. He conferred words of life, not death. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's the, that's the difficult position we find ourselves in because, like you said, <clears throat> people will justify and go there and it has to go back to Jesus. It has to. That's the only way it works. I mean, we can... I love that scripture in James, confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. But it has to go back to Jesus. It has to. And and I love the fact that we need to look 
at what exactly you mentioned he died for us what exactly did he die for someone asked me that one time and I was my my sins I, I thought that was kind of obvious what does that look like and and they really wanted me to ponder this and I guess I sort of like you've mentioned it's sort of swept under the rug it's it's forgiven it's forgotten and it is but did I really understand how ugly and how dark and how evil that sin was? That's why we're looking in the mirror today. Right. And I, I'm so thankful we're having this conversation. It's much needed. Which is, again, not for the purposes of condemnation. It's for the right. purposes of correction. Exactly. It's for the purposes of all that work of redemption mm-hmm. that is so magnificently manifest in the Word of God, but the living Word of God is with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That's what, for us, salvation is. Yes. And we need to be saved from our humanity and ourselves. Saved from ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I have that wrote in my Bible. So many places in Scripture that I'm finding. I love that that man, the, the father, his son was possessed by demons and and Jesus comes along and, and there's a deliverance there. But the father, bless his heart as they say, I believe, but help my unbelief. You're so honest right there. You know, we can believe. And I shared with my little girls group uh, Thursday night, my shameless plug for my GLOW girls group that I have, and God's light in our world. So that's where we get GLOW. And I said, we may have faith, but it may be really weak. And maybe it's really small right now. And that man, he... He confessed, you know, I believe, but help my unbelief. Yeah. And I love that because he was just raw and honest. And that's, that's where we need to be, you know. But we need to ditch the pretense. And, and I call it pride and narcissism, but it's also pretentious. And, and it's not an illusion. Uh, you know, the angel of light in, in the sense of what the devil tries to depict himself mm-hmm. as. Right. Um, it's just all a lie. It is. But I think when we're this honest and when we're this real, abortion does not stand. It, it, there's no light that you can expose it to that justifies it. There's none. I can't think of any that justifies it. And, and especially if we have a Savior who is willing to die for us so that we did not have to have blood on our hands... You know, it was awful we had to kill animals. I do believe God, I love animals. Love them older I get, the more I love them. But I I thought about that. I thought, you know, God gave the animals to us so that we didn't kill each other. I I do believe that. Hmm. But that's not good. Who wants to kill animals? I mean, those ASPCA, I guess okay say that, commercials on TV just... Tear me up. Oh, I know. Oh, it's horrible. I changed the channel. I, I can't watch them. It's horrible. I but I think of babies. I thought about that the other night. I thought, why not they do that with babies? Why don't they show what it looks like at the post-abortion? Mm-hmm. Why don't they show those things? And really they have. And of course, what we've got is the mammoth pushback. Right. You know, we shouldn't go blow up abortion clinics. But right. I do think that we should be considerate. And I am so thankful that we live in a state that is considered to be one of the right-for-life states. 
because yes, we passed legislation in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And actually, our guest for today is Kathy Weiss, who is the Cabell County Right to Life Chapter President. And uh, if our listeners can't tell, what we've tried to do is introduce this in a way that is undeniable to them. Why we want her on the program, why I think we think she has something incredible to say. Probably most of them may have heard of her before and may have already received, listened to some of her messaging. But I want to make sure that we give her a chance to give a personal testimony. And I know we're not going to be disappointed. And I know as much as she's in this position to advocate right to life, uh, I know it's based on a conviction, but of even highest order, even more so than laws. What basically she's following, I am confident, is the highest of all callings. And that is Christ. And that's the Word of God. As it gets implemented or as it gets un uh, manifest, shown, demonstrated in this world. So what we're going to do now is really take a break. <laughs> but before we go to our real break, we're going to remind our listeners they are once again listening to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett. And we'll be right back with our special guest, Kathy Weiss. All right, we are back. And we have a guest. We promised, right? Yes, we did. That we'd have a guest. But we do have a guest. And before we <laughs> get too far into it, Kathy, you've not asked me to say anything about this, but I'm going to go ahead. The opinions of Kathy Weiss are her own. The opinions of David Clay are his own. And so David, at all, because we did an intro before you got here. Uh, but all those things I said, I'm not going to make you own up to. We've already figured out that I have a questionable reputation at some point along the line in our earlier conversation, uh, that it might be a bit questionable. We thought it was pretty good, but it might be turning kind of the opposite direction based on some of the convictions and some of the things that I was saying before you got here. But we are so privileged to have you here, Kathy. Kathy Weiss, she is with the Cabell County Right to Life. She's the chapter president. Uh, and we are going to kind of just allow you to kind of share, I'd like to know a little bit about your personal testimony, if I can, why you're so involved or passionate about this, and then whatever other information you feel like would be relevant or pertinent to our listeners, you feel free to go ahead and say it. Now that I've said you don't have to own anything that I've said, you can, you can truly be free. You don't have to worry. They're not going to throw rocks at you. They're going to send Carolyn, though, I, I think, on either, <laughs> what was it, hate that. mail? Yeah. Or yeah. We already determined that. Yeah. So, Kathy, why are you so passionate about all this? Well, first of all, I would like to say, um, I'll explain. I'm 76 years old. I've, I've only been actually pro-life for about 21 years now and years years ago before I was I would watch a uh, religious TV station network that um, I enjoyed a lot mm -hmm. uh, because they had very good Bible studies and all of that but the um, person that started that network had 
uh, a show, mm. and she would talk about, she would get on the topic of pro-life. And I remember very well saying to myself, well, you know, that doesn't really involve me. I've never been involved in abortion or anything. And I, I knew very little about it. And I would actually get up and dust or something, you know, just because I thought, you know, I, I, it's just not a topic people like to hear about, you know. And, uh, but little by little, she would catch my attention as I was across the room doing that and I would stop what I was doing and listen to her. And the next thing I knew, I was pro-life. Mm. And I, I thank God for that. Now, you're pointing to your chest, your heart. Yes, yes. <laughs> so that was a big step. Come right out of your heart. And I, so I can understand other people, other Christians saying, well, you know, that's not part of my life, mm -hmm. not part of my family. And they just want to go on with the pleasant, more pleasant things of their lives. But it's something that, as Christians... We never thought our country would come to this, Yes. to abortion and euthanasia. That's the other side of the coin. Yes. And um, we, have to, we have to realize that, for one thing, we all know as Christians that someday, upon our death, we will be judged. Yes. We will be judged for what we did and what we did not do. And what will we say when we say, well, we just, we ignored a, a terrible problem, a problem that has killed well over 60 million babies. Wow. And harmed the women involved. And even the people that work in those abortion clinics, they're not happy people. Mm -hmm. that, but to, to get back to that, um, remember that Jesus said that when we gave drink to the thirsty, food to the hungry, we did these things for the least of, of us. And these little unborn babies truly are the least of us. Yes. And, and God gave us a brain. He gave us common sense. We don't have to be medical people mm -hmm. to understand this. Amen. And plus, we're living in modern times, to say the least. Mm. We have seen these fantastic ultrasound pictures. Now people can even look at that unborn baby and say to their husband, Oh, he looks like you. Mm. I mean, they're that identifiable. Yeah. And for people uh, on the, I call it on the other side, the pro-aborts, uh, if you want to use that term, for them to say, oh, it's just a blob of tissue, we know better. Yes. They know better. But it, it's just a selling point. It's just propaganda, mm -hmm. uh, bad propaganda. Being lied to. But um, that, that's the, my story. And, and once you know the truth, yes. you're obligated mm -hmm. to pass it on. You can't say to Jesus, well, I was busy um, with um, other activities, even activities in the church. They're all important. But how many activities do we have that impact life or death. Yes. 
And the fact that it's not just not these defenseless, innocent little babies that are killed. The women, Mm. they are told, oh, you'll do this. You'll just be happy. You'll never think of it again. Your life, you'll be able to get a better job, make more money. Um, You know, everything's going to work out great for you. But we know better. There are women in their 80s who are still looking back and counting, how old would my child be? Is that not sad? It is. It's um, it's just so cruel to to harm these women Mm -hmm. in this way. They're harmed emotionally, and they're even harmed physically. Because, for one thing, there are women, and I've seen them interviewed, that are so physically damaged... Some of them can't even now have a a child. They can't even bear a child. Mm. Some of them, they can't um, take that child to term because um, of of the abortion. Some of them, I'm not a medical person at all, but what is it when you're, um, is it a colostomy bag that a person has to wear when they're, that part of their body is harmed. Yeah, These right. are young women that the rest of their life, because somebody was in a hurry to get to the next person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and believe me, um, Planned Parenthood, of course, is a whole topic itself. Mm-hmm. Their, <clears throat> I, their whole thing is to get as many women through in their time for the day as possible. They give, once that woman has the abortion, they put her in a room, a small room by herself, and she has, if, at the most, like an hour to get ready to leave, to be ready to leave. And, and I, I had a DVD once called Blood Money, and I made the mistake of loaning it to someone that mm. was actually in our, our group. And that's, I, I don't, he doesn't know what happened to it. Of course, I don't know. But it was a fantastic uh, DVD because it was a, a nurse, an RN, who was, she looked to be in, well into her 50s. And she had worked at Planned Parenthood. And she, she gave that testimony about the time and everything. And... The fact that if a woman does, say a woman starts to hemorrhage, they don't call an ambulance. They take that woman out the back door of the facility, put them in a car, and they don't even take them to the nearest hospital because they don't want word to get out about you know the situation. And their, their main thing is to protect themselves, mm-hmm. not that person that came in there and gave them money to, for that abortion. So, I mean, and they're not, and plus it begs the question, why is our government giving our tax money yeah. to Planned Parenthood, who makes well over a billion dollars a year? Um, it just doesn't make any sense. And then, of course, you have the people that work there. 
And you wonder, why do doctors become abortionists? For one thing, we know that doc many doctors finish medical school and all, and they owe so much money, and they are even willing to become abortionists to pay that money off. And we know that for years, Planned Parenthood has had serious trouble keeping employees, keeping nurses especially, um, because, well, to, to give an example, I felt I had a high-stress job when I, before I retired. And one morning I was on the way to work and I thought, oh, I just hate to go into work today. And then the next thing that popped in my mind was uh, think about the, the people that are going to abortion clinics and they're going to work to kill people, to do harm to women. Uh, there are, there's a person that works in an abortion clinic. Of course, a lot of people don't realize that most abortions, the baby, and it's so sad to even speak of, but the baby is cut apart. And then that baby's parts have to be taken out of the mother's womb. Now, if, if any part is left in there, it could cause infection, which could even kill her. Hmm. So there is a person whose job it is, after that abortion, to put the little baby back together and make sure it's all there. Now, talk about a depressing job. Who could come to work every day and think about that? no matter how much money you're making. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just, and of course, the, then the woman is really emotionally wounded. I mean, it's just a bad picture all the way around. Mm. And how did our society come to this point? Yes. For one thing, I was thinking this morning about, as I said, I'm 76. I remember when woman's lib mm -hmm. came into being. And that was, you know... You know, we've got our rights, we're, we're marching, we're doing this and that. And then that had its good points, but like so many things in this world, they're carried to a bad end. The, the woman's rights movement was hijacked by people who had bad goals. Mm -hmm. Now, why, why people are... Um, follow this, how they get hood, do they get hoodwinked, do they just have bad goals, I don't, I can't say, but, but it, as you know, you, you watch the news, you see these women politicians who tell you they are Christians, they're religious people, mm -hmm. but yet they 100% push, push abortion and euthanasia. And we've got to wake America up and, first of all, wake up Christians. Yep. If Christians can't be pro-life, who can? Absolutely. And part of what I do, um, there is a national uh, movement, I'll call it, called the National Life Chain. I, for uh, 18 years, I've been the... Huntington, the coordinator of the Huntington Life Chain. Now, maybe some of, 
of you have gone past Fifth Avenue on the first Sunday in October for 18 years and seen people standing uh, spaced along the one side of the street on the south side of Fifth Avenue starting at 20th Street. And of course we picked that spot to start at because we have Marshall University here. All these young people who are feel pressure, they've got to get that degree, they've got to get a good job, they've got to get their life started. They're, and then they end up, too many of them, in a bad situation that they have to make a serious choice that is going to affect them the rest of their lives. We stand there and silently pray for one hour. We are told we are not to, to talk to people, we're not to debate with people, and, we, and we've been doing that so long, and I know that the student body changes over the years, but most of them are there three or four years, you know. And they do, um, even though we know that probably the majority disagree with us, we hold signs that say abortion kills children. That is considered the hardest sign to hold, yeah. but we've been told to have the most of those. And uh, it says all, there are signs that say abortion hurts women. We know that's true. Uh, and one of my favorites is Jesus forgives and heals. Mm -hmm. We're not there to um, cast aspersions on anybody, to, to wag our finger at anybody and say, you know, you're bad, I'm good. Um, and I think over time those students know that. They, they appreciate, they, they respect us for, we, they know we are true believers of what we're there for. Mm -hmm. We're only there for an hour. But we do know that it, it does impact people's lives. And, of course, Huntington and West Virginia, I'm proud that West Virginia is basically, I believe, pro-life. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the people go by and honk their horns and give us a thumbs up and that kind of thing. And once in a while, somebody will give us a different kind of signal, mm -hmm. but we just ignore that. Mm -hmm. uh, and we know that... We know that these these young people, especially, and even people middle-aged and beyond, even people my age, have been indoctrinated. This pro-choice thing, um, for one thing, what are those choices? There's only two choices, life for your baby or death for your baby. Mm -hmm. There's no in-between. And that brings up the subject of a very well-known abortionist. His name was Dr. Bernard Nathanson. He was so into the beginning of the pro-choice movement that he was actually in a committee that came up with the term pro-choice. And what American doesn't like the idea of a choice? Yes. That's what America's all about. Yes. But, I mean, it was a marketing thing, and it, it, it's got to be one of the most successful ones mm -hmm. in human history. But this man was a medical doctor. He lived in New York City, and he 
performed, I'm sorry, I, I should have looked it up, but it's, it was well over 40,000 abortions. Wow. It could have been 60, but I'll, I'll quote 40. But among those abortions, he even aborted two of his own children. Mm. He was not married. He was that much involved. Yeah. Now then, that was early on, of course, and at one point when, when the ultrasound came in, someone made a video of the child in the womb moving around and yawning and, you know, everything. It was called the silent scream. And uh, when I first started attending Cabell County Right to Life, that video was shown. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't pleasant to look at. It wasn't. It was just a video, black and white, and the baby was well. I mean, it was just moving around. And uh, but then it showed the an abortionist sticking the instrument, which looked like a long. Maybe a, like a, almost like a wand, a thin wand, into the woman's womb to get to that baby to do the abortion. And one of the most amazing, moving things was that little baby knew that someone was trying to harm it. Hmm. He or she would move around trying to avoid yeah. what was about to happen. And when that doctor saw that, it made all the difference to him. Yeah. Imagine that, to go to realize what he had been doing. I mean, surely a person can fool themselves yes. for a certain time to a certain point, but that was the, the breaking point. Undeniable. And, and the good news of all of, of course, the good news is he became pro-life, pro I'm sorry, pro-life. Yes. yes. And even better, down, you know, he became a Christian. Yes. Because that, we don't want anyone to suffer the consequences without God's, you know, turning to God and his mercy and his love. Yes. And that man then became a pro-life advocate. He even wrote a book called The Hand of God. And um, sometime down the point, he down the, the line, he did um, die. I believe he died of cancer. But before he did, he did everything he could to... And, and he gave a lot of insights into how abortionists fool themselves. You know, um, it, it's human nature. You want mm -hmm. you want to do what you want to do, so you find or even make up reasons to, to do what you do. We're, we're going to take just a moment, remind our listeners that they're listening to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay, Carolyn Barnett, and our special guest, Kathy Weiss. Uh, Kathy, I know that our listeners uh, <laughs> as a whole uh, Christian, and they want to do things to help, and, and they are believers. So what type of activities are you involved in with the right to life in Cabell County as the president? Well, uh, as the president, we have reorganized um, Cabell County Right to Life. We moved our uh, meeting location. We meet the third Tuesday of every month except this coming December, we're not going to have a meeting because it would be the 21st, and that's a little bit hard on people. 
But um, we used to meet at uh, a church near the mall, and um, our pre our previous president lived in Ona, mm. and so things somehow got tilted towards that end yes, of Cabell County. Yes. Nothing against anybody. No, no. But, but just like with the life chain, we want to hit the, the biggest population mm -hmm. and help people. Mm -hmm. And um, so I went to work to... Um, that was the, when the, the previous president moved away. He was retired. Then I, as the vice president, stepped up to president. And so I had a hard time trying to find a church that was handicapped um, accessible. Accessible. That was um, just. I wanted to stay towards the east end of Cabell County, and the um, the only church that welcomed us mm. was Our Lady of Fatima. Yeah. Um, in the I, the is, is that the Southern Hills of West yes. of uh, Huntington, yes. of Beverly Hills, yeah. and they have a. a <laughs> Neutral meeting hall that um, that they said we we could have we could use that mm -hmm. and we, that's how we ended up on the third Tuesday and um, it it is handicapped accessible there's plenty of parking it's a flat parking lot there's no steps involved yes and um, it is a nice size uh, meeting hall and so even with COVID we have plenty of room to to sit far, far enough apart. <laughs> Social distance. And I've tried uh, since we, our first meeting was August. We went a few months without a meeting. Mm -hmm. So I decided mm -hmm. that each meeting for a good while, we'll, I'll try to pick a topic and go over that topic to educate new members. Right now we have nine members. Mm -hmm. That that's up from nine active members, and that's up from it was like two or three mm. at a meeting, and sometimes we didn't even have a meeting. Yes. So I started out with the uh, the first meeting. I had to educate myself more. We all we hear so much about mm -hmm. Roe v. Wade. Mm. Well, what 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 was Roe v. Wade? How did that impact our country to the point it has? It's unbelievable. It all hinges on the 14th Amendment, which, and you hear about uh, our right to privacy. Hmm. Well, I've read the 14th Amendment. I can't find anything in it that says <laughs> yes. we have the right yeah. to an abortion or anything close yes. to it. Yes. And of course, they took advantage of a woman who was, um, who never even had an abortion. Uh, she has since passed away. She, but mm -hmm. uh, not. She wonderfully became a Christian before yes. she did. Yes. But um, the thing about it is that that I maybe I simplify things too much. But the right to privacy, the Constitution gave that. For instance, that that the uh, the government couldn't send troops into your home. Mm. Uh, break your door down, whatever, come into your home, search and seizure type of thing. Uh, it, it's nothing about that you can kill your own unborn child yeah. uh, just like you can't beat, yes, your, you can't beat your own yeah. your, uh, born child or yes. uh, harm them. Uh, we, but, we know there are cases where people actually torture their own yeah, children. Yes. But that that is not covered by the 14th Amendment mm -hmm. and neither is abortion. 
And how the Supreme Court ruled on that, I'll never understand. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any person with... God gave us common sense. We don't all have a law degree, but we have common sense. Right. And um, so that that has just been... um, a terrible, uh, all I can think of is just a terrible sham that has been mm-hmm. pulled on us Americans. And we said, well, the Supreme Court said it. But it does need to be reviewed. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that will come. I think yeah. it's come up, and certainly it has come up. But hopefully that will be an agenda item that's, that, that the Supreme yeah. Court will take a look at. So, so information, education, you offer that. And I guess you meet... What was the day again? Tuesday, first the third Tuesday. Third Tuesday of every month, except this coming December, because <laughs> of or, Christ, you know Christmas and, and Thanksgiving. Yeah. So uh, this idea of uh, how folks then, if they are interested, how do they get a hold of you? I know you're going to talk a little bit more about okay. uh, some other things, but just okay. to make sure we don't miss that point, okay. if we should get short on time, they should feel free to call me at three zero four. They can call me or text me. And right now, I'm sorry to say, the, the, I guess it's called the carrier that takes care of my email is messed up. And I, so I, once I get it straightened out, it will be C as in Charles, F as in Francis, M as in Martha, Weiss, W-E-I-S-S, that's Samuel Samuel, at gmail.com. Okay. And um, one thing that we do besides the life chain that we sponsor Mm -hmm. is we have a booth every summer at the Cabell County Fair. Yes. And then we have a booth at the Pumpkin West Virginia Pumpkin Festival. Yes. Now, of course, both of these take place in Milton. Mm-hmm. And, and at that booth, we have pro-life pamphlets. We have um, bumper stickers. We have um, other things. And we have... We have uh, replicas of unborn babies. Mm-hmm. We ha- we have these little. They're hard plastic. They're they are. Is um, is the, the term anatomically correct? <laughs> yes. Uh, but and there's even a little card that comes yes. along with them that talks about the different stages of development. Mm-hmm. And one thing and one thing I love to point out to adults, children, all together that at 10 weeks, an unborn baby is so well-developed, it already has fingerprints. Yes. And some, some physicians say even 8 weeks, but, but we say 10 to be sure. These little babies, um, we, we give them out free. And um, it, we are there to educate people, to explain to people uh, what we do and why. And now we also have a little baby that we, it of course, costs more. Mm-hmm. And it's a little soft rubber baby that has a little blanket around yes. it. It's cute. By and, the way, our listeners can't see, but they're cute. Yes, and they are. And they are anatomically correct, yeah. and they look like babies. Yes, when you ask a little, when you hold it up and ask a little <laughs> child, mm-hmm. even a young child, say, "What is this? It's a baby." Mm-hmm. And now um, we also we have a whole set of um, 
bigger babies. Mm -hmm. That said, mm -hmm. it's, it's babies at four different stages of development. It starts with 10 weeks and goes all the way up to 30. Mm -hmm. There's a 20 and a 26 in between. And we ask the people, you know, feel free to pick this up, mm -hmm. uh, look at it, mm -hmm. see how beautiful this little baby yes. is. And, and the baby is correct in its size and weight for that stage of development. Mm -hmm. And I've got to tell you, a lot of a good many people naturally that come to these events are from Milton. And I love those people so much. Mm -hmm. They are so good. They're such good Christians, so pro-life and so proud of it. And sometimes, uh, and, and we get so much traffic coming by. Mm -hmm. uh, I've made the, the statement before that when the day is done, especially on the weekend day, I feel like the whole world has passed in front of me, you know, and they stop, of course, and talk. And, and they want their children to, uh, to see what we have. Mm -hmm. And we're so, when we give these little babies, we, we uh, make it a point to give a pamphlet that shows details of how well-developed those babies are at each stage. Yes. And um, we want the people, to, especially young women mm -hmm. and girls, and if, if, the, well, if the family stops and they have a girl maybe that's 10 years old, I'll just hand this pamphlet directly to the mother or father mm -hmm. and say, you decide what's the right point for you to discuss this with your child. Well, and, and all you of know. this is so important, and, and I wish our listeners could see uh, what you've brought us uh, into the studio today. But it counters the propaganda, and it goes against the narrative, and it goes against the lie. And in some ways, it does. It personalizes this. Oh, yeah. And, and I think once you begin to personalize it in that manner, then I think all of a sudden, whether you could argue at what point life is conceived, it's undeniably so. I said that, used that word earlier, but it's just undeniable. It's when you're talking about the doctor and he saw the ultrasound. Once you see this, you know well, that it's yeah. undeniable. This is a living person. And he knew it, he had to know it all along. Mm -hmm. Because he was taking those babies out piece by piece. And people, yeah. like I say, you can fool yourself to a point. But when he saw that, especially that little baby <clears throat> trying to avoid being killed, trying to defend itself. But, and let me mention this. Uh, maybe this is too harsh a statement for some people. But the devil is never satisfied. No. He's got us, he's had us on abortion for years. Yes. So that wasn't enough. Then people like Planned Parenthood, they couldn't make enough money. They weren't satisfied with the money from abortions. Mm. They had to sell these little baby parts, these little sweet babies' baby parts. Yes. There was even a doctor I saw on the news. Uh, not, I don't mean like the national news. You'll never see anything on the national news. <laughs> no. But I did see a video of her. She was, I would say, middle-aged. And she was laughing about the money she was making from selling these body parts. And she said, oh, I'm, going to, I'm saving up to buy a Ferrari, mm. a very expensive Italian sports car, mm -hmm. you know. But, but he's not even satisfied with that, of course, yeah. Yeah. because, well, for one thing, um, 
when I am at these events especially, and I, I remember years ago, an older woman, um, she was probably 60, 65, she was walking towards me and she saw what, what I had there on the table and she said, oh, I don't have to worry about that anymore. And I said, well, yes, but you do have mm -hmm. to worry about euthanasia. Yes, yes. Which would, for our listeners, and we will not be able, maybe we'll have you back on. That's, Carolyn, put, mark that down somewhere, because I think that another program could be directed toward that. But that would be for those that are elderly that, that would be choosing to end their life before it's time for all kinds of reasons. And not only them, but their families yeah. choose. Yeah. And believe me, you don't have to give yeah. your permission. Yeah. For somebody to snuff you out, and that is very big in Europe. But I'll, I'll, but, I'll well, leave it at that. I was just going to say we yes. can we can get have you come back yes. and, and we can talk about that. I want to make sure because we only have a couple moments here. I want to make sure again that you give your phone number if you don't mind one more time, and then I want us to encourage our listeners not only to attend the meetings, but if they feel compelled or as they may be convicted by what you've said, by what we've said in the introduction, to somehow get involved not only in a physical, emotional, psychological sort of dimension, bodily sort of way, but even financially. Yes, there can be yes. an investment or... Yes. Well, for instance, uh, when I mentioned that set of uh, babies at the four stages of mm -hmm. development, mm -hmm. one, a couple of the kids asked me recently, oh, can we buy these? Mm. Are you selling these? Mm. And I, I was just mischievous enough. I said, well, they do. the only thing is they cost $300, you know. And, of course, they, they do wear out, yeah. you know, after a point. And all these things we give away yeah. um, cost money. Yeah. But um, the one thing I would like to mention is with the life chain, I, I write a letter every year to every pastor mm -hmm. that I know of mm -hmm. in Huntington, and I personally deliver it to that church. Yeah. And I was so enthused the first year, I thought, sure, this was just going to, we were going to stretch from 20th Street all the way downtown. But uh, so many pastors, I've even had pastors, there's one in particular, I've, he's let me visit with him twice, and we talked mm -hmm. in, in a very nice way. Mm -hmm. And let me mention, this is a ministry of love. Yes. We are not... Yes. Um, being mean to anybody, saying that you get what you deserve, you know, and none of that. We want to help people. But, but that one pastor, he's such a nice gentleman. He's an elderly man. But when, when I, we're done, he says, well, I, I believe what you're saying, but I'm not going to mention it to my people. I can only assume they don't want to lose their job. They don't want to lose their standing with their people. They know their people mm -hmm. disagree, but that has been a hard thing to swallow. And yes. I've had two pastors tell, I ask, and I always know I don't, I'm not uh, representing myself, mm -hmm. I'm representing pro-life. Mm -hmm. And I've asked the same denomination, two different pastors, what do you teach your people about this? And they both, a year apart, apart from each other, told me, we let them make up their own mind. Mm -hmm. We let them decide for themselves, was the exact words. But do they let them ex decide for themselves about adultery or anything? But talk to your pastor. Yes. If, if you feel 
that you, should be pro-life, and I hope you do, talk to your pastor. Make them know how important this is to you and to them. Right. They're responsible. And, and I would want to encourage our listeners, too, uh, and we've only got a, a couple of seconds left, but I want to encourage our listeners, too. Uh, you know, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it takes faith to stand up and to say what you think. And we're not hate mongers. Uh, Carolyn and I got into that. Carolyn and I spoke about that at the introduction before you got on uh, the segment, Kathy, today. But, but people need to know you're not a, a hate monger. What we do, though, is we preach the Word of God because we believe it is life. And, and that's what the, Peter declared. You have the words of life. And, and if it's not being preached, if it's not being disseminated, if it's not being shared, then certainly there's many ways that we're going to be held accountable for people dying. Uh, one of which is through this abortion. But pastors need to be compelled and compel their church members then to give serious consideration. Would you please, one more time, and then we're going to have to stop, could you give the phone number so folks can call you? Mm -hmm. My number is 304-412-0661. Kathy, thank you so much for coming on the program. Uh, we're so thankful that you're there, that you uh, offer this to the community, that you share this information, and you do it with conviction and a genuine, sincere heart. And we can tell that you love Jesus and you love the Lord. And then and, and this is, as you said, this is a ministry. So, listeners, if this has moved you in any sort of way, your hands, to help, to get involved, don't hesitate. The devil would love nothing more than to keep you sitting on your hands. But that's not the time we're in, and that's not what we're called to. Uh, we're in the end times. We're in a harvest mode right now. And uh, certainly we need to be out doing everything we can, telling people about Jesus. Okay, we're going to take another break. want to remind our listeners who are listening to Covenants, Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett. And our special guest today has been Kathy Weiss. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. And uh, I just want to again say thank you to Kathy. Uh, she's so sincere, so genuine, um, so real. <laughs> she didn't say this uh, on air, of course, uh, but uh, during the break, as she was exiting the studio, um, she said, I was so afraid I was going to cry. And, you know, Carolyn, I don't know about you, but I wanted to. Yeah, I did feel a little bit emotional. Because it was. It's a poignant subject. Yeah. And she was showing us those babies yeah. and the examples. And, and that's when in the segment we mentioned, or at least I mentioned that, you didn't get to talk, sorry. I mentioned, though, that it personalized it yes. in such a manner yes. and way because I don't know how you could ignore that. Right. I didn't know really, I don't know what words to put to it other than it's just, if you really think about it, how would you not want to cry? Mm -hmm. I, I don't understand that. That right. that's the hard thing for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I know we can compartmentalize things, but this is this is a life, and this is a baby. I mean, what? How could you do that? So, I do believe Kathy did a fantastic job, though, of uh, not only discussing the effect, of course, within the context of the mom. Uh, certainly, with the the killing or the the death of a baby, a life. Um, 
but even within the context of those that perform the abortions. And you know, and I mentioned in our introduction about post-abortion syndrome, and uh, that's really what that is. It's mm -hmm. a post-traumatic stress reaction yes. or response. That's exactly what I thought. And yes. there's triggers, mm -hmm. and uh, <clears throat> I've counseled many, many people. Um, and I, I've heard as much as anecdotal, I've heard many, many stories very similar. How people did those things and carried around the weight of that, the guilt, the shame, tried to hide it, tried to rationalize it away. Um, some more than others emotionally affected by it. But there's no way, unless your heart would become so hardened that you would blaspheme the Holy Ghost. And uh, I know that that's a strong statement, but God is love. And so when I use that in that way, I don't know how you would cope with that except that you would just harden your heart. And we would pray, would want to believe, even if somebody went through that or did that, that they would not be afraid to come to Jesus. Not be afraid to open up and talk about the hurt, the pain, the trauma. Mm. Not be afraid to come talk to someone such as ourselves. And, and I understand Kathy's message about pastors, and that, that is nothing against pastors. You know, we right. said that in the intro, it's a tough thing to be a pastor. But, but the pastor at your church, I'm sure, and maybe it would help the pastor understand a little bit and feel more comfortable about what his church members are thinking. Maybe he or she could open up more mm -hmm. and be more accessible or available. Absolutely. And that would be our goal, that people would feel like they could come and talk to us, talk to their pastor. But just to talk about it and not to keep all that repressed and, and that, that would be part of the recovery from the PTSD. And I actually thought PTSD when you mm -hmm. mentioned it earlier in the intro. And that would be key to their recovery and their, um, you know, moving forward in this. And, and I just, it just keeps coming back to my mind. You know, she mentioned educating the people, but once you know, you it's like you can't unknow it. Mm -hmm. You can't hide from that anymore. And I think about the poor college girl that uh, I asked her um, as she was exiting about the recent movie release a couple years ago, the movie Unplanned. Very eye-opening. I watched mm -hmm. it with my daughters. Mm -hmm. And the college girl just was at a little fair and there was a table talking about women's health and had she had a checkup and it was very innocent and very seemingly not harmful, you know, sort of educational. And that is how she became president and was running an abortion clinic for Planned Parenthood mm -hmm. because she stumbled upon a little table as a college girl and, and the, the education just wasn't there. No, and it's progressive and it's societal, it's cultural, and, right. and it is indoctrination. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so there's just a lot of problems with it. Uh, but it takes only one individual to stand up so that others can see that faith right. and courage and join with them. So we've got basically <laughs> a couple of minutes. Uh, 
And I want to just encourage again our listeners, uh, talk to your pastors. Uh, there's, there's plenty of others out there in, in ministerial positions to help. We would be willing to, wanting to, wanting to help or assist if you should have any concerns along this line. Absolutely. Uh, and Carolyn, how can they get a hold of us? Well, you can go to our Facebook page, Covenants with an S. You can also give us a call, 304-528-9220. Or you can go online, covenantschristiancounseling.com, covenantsonline.com. Or you can email us with lots of ways to get a hold of us, covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. And we put the link to uh, the podcast in the event that uh, our listeners would want to hear this again. Uh, they can go to the Facebook page, and uh, we're on Apple, uh, but you uh, so helpfully, <laughs> that's a word, put the link there. So you can go to the Facebook page, click, it'll take you right to the podcast, and it's a repeat of the broadcast. So it's available. Uh, yes. Should you want to share that with others, uh, we'd, we'd encourage that. Again, I think that it's just a powerful message. So Carolyn, this is the ultimate tease. Okay. We're not going to tell about our next guest at all. <laughs> Folks are just have to come back. But in the meantime, I want to remind our listeners they're listening to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett. And until you join us again next week, we want to wish you a blessed week. Thanks.